That was a lot of Hulk by K. Rich. Welcome back to the Josh and Ethan show. Um, sorry, we- sorry, there was a, a bit of a delay on the episode this week. There's some complications, but yeah. there's an episode. Yeah. Anyway, so and honestly, good. in some ways, it's fine because there's been a lot of news, even over the last 24 hours, it's broken. So, of course. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of good to yeah. oh, like start today so we could talk about it. Yeah. Um. One less pressing note that um, we should say is we are in talks with the meat sauce master Virgil about him coming on the show. We're negotiating price because um, he doesn't come cheap. But we're looking into having Virgil on the show around for half a show. So hopefully that's something that might get to happen in the coming weeks. But um, yeah. Basically on Monday, so last Monday, just a week from now, um, this guy called George Floyd got killed and what was really atrocious the police officer just i was looking into the training and unless it's like a serial killer or someone that you're meant to use like lethal force on you're supposed to put your knee on like kind of their back shoulder blade so that way like it's hurting a bit and they're pinned down but there's no real danger to their life there but he was going directly on the neck and he wasn't even resisting arrest and they were looking into a forgery claim so it was a minor crime if any crime at all so I mean, it's another just horrific case of police brutality. So and and it, it it wasn't even confirmed that he committed the crime. It no, was yeah. an alleged. It was literally just an investigation, crime. and it, the whole thing is like, he wasn't like he didn't pull out a gun. He didn't pull out a knife. Because the one thing I have to say is like, I'm generally of the belief that not all police are evil, but there are some pretty racist police. But you can at least make an argument for a lot of these other cops, like when they shoot people, it's like, oh, they just, they had a knife and it was in the moment and they shouldn't have shot them, but they messed up because they were scared. This one, George Floyd was proposing no threat. He was literally just standing there. He was like, okay, officers, I'll do whatever you need if you see the video. And he's just very calm about it. And then the guy like throws him on the ground and puts his knee on his head. It's just, I'm not going to play the video because it's really disturbing to watch, but um, it, it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on one second. Oh. Alright, so we're back now. Um, some small difficulties with tech because we're still over the phone because of coronavirus. But um we're back now and just talking about the um atrocity really of the George Floyd killing and I'm in total support of the protests because I think we have to make sure that there's a part of the police training or screening that makes sure that life well, think they're few and far between well there's still some racist cops getting through that really have way too much power so i think the guy that killed him should probably go to jail for life the other three should probably go to jail for at least some time because it really was manslaughter at least if not like murder so i think everyone should stand united over that and i'm totally behind the protests but what really disgusts me is like the looting because i feel like people if you look at it the some of the people not all of the looters are arrested but of those that have been arrested the majority of them aren't like black lives matter members or just normal protesters a lot of them are people from out of state that are coming in to wreck different communities so they can steal stuff 
And it's just really heartbreaking because this is a time that we all have to be united and people are just stealing and hurting communities that they just drive into. And I don't know your thoughts on it, but I just think that the riots are really disgusting. I do think the riots are really disgusting as well. Like bringing things, taking things that extremely where you're damaging local stores, you know, businesses that people own people make money off of and you know possibly aren't making money off of right now because of the pandemic but i don't think i think that right now i said this uh, to a couple of people before we're at a point right now where so much has been said about you know police brutality and like people police officers those racist police officers who are stopping and, you know, unrightfully arresting or prosecuting, you know, people with co- people of color. So much has been said about that, but nothing really has worked. So I think so many people are so frustrated where, you know, this is the point that we've gotten to. Oh, I totally agree. And I just feel like from here, I really think we have to look into what are the laws behind police training. And if we can, because our main... I feel like the main push has been let's stop police brutality and everything. But when can we switch that push to let's change this specific thing in the training or the screening that makes sure that we can prevent it? And I feel like it's great that we're saying, yeah, we don't want police brutality, but we also have to, like, as protesters and as citizens, we have to help put forward a way to stop it. Because, I mean, legislators are just horrible at their jobs, really, on all sides of the aisle. And they're never going to get down dirty and look at it and say, here is what the issue is. Because of this, people are slipping through the cracks. I feel like it has to be up to, like, all of us to look at that and say, here's exactly what we want done. And we're only going to elect people that will help us get that passed. Because I think it really matters in how we're training and screening the police. But, so I think it's very... I totally feel you that it's like people have gotten fed up because nothing's changed, but I still don't think that makes the writing okay. Because honestly, it's like I, I also I also think it's not only you know people are frustrated with this whole George Floyd incident kind of like being the trigger, but also all these people are inside have been inside for months and oh, yeah. they have no reason to go out. And now, oh, people are protesting. This isn't an excuse to go outside and like cause chaos. Yeah. And it's. I'm happy that when you look at the people that are being arrested for the looting, though not a lot are, the majority of them are out-of-state people and not protesters because it. the fact that I've seen lots of people like I've run social media, like celebrities and people in our grade sharing, or even like people on the news trying to link the protesters to the rioters and like writing's okay because it gives us more attention. I don't think it's okay because I think it gives you the wrong type of attention. And I feel like if we just had the vision of like here's exactly what we need done and here all of us stand together peacefully waiting to get done where if you compare that to like these shop owners like they're not a part of the racism like they didn't kill these people so it just doesn't seem fair to go after them because they're people luckily again it's not the protesters but the rioters that are taking advantage of it are just the scum of the earth to take advantage and be like oh i want a new tv and, oh, yeah, I'm doing it in the name of, like, ending police brutality. It's just, it's really disgusting to me. But I think the, the part that's also 
that I think is the worst part of the protest is those peaceful protesters who aren't causing all that harm and that aren't, you know, causing all this destruction and chaos. And these police officers are throwing tear gas at them and, like, running their police cars through crowds of innocent people. Yeah. And like, it, I think that's the part that's really, like, getting on my nerves. Yeah. No, and it's horrible because it's also, like, you have to look at from every side. It's like, one, if you're if you're a protester, it's almost a bit scary to go out and protest now because now you have to, like, make sure that you have, like, some milk or water to wash tear gas out of your eyes because that might happen. You kind of want to stay packed into a crowd because they c- might come at you with batons. But there's also, like... I mean, lots of people are wearing masks, but it's like there's also the whole coronavirus thing still going on. So are we kind of just assuming that social distancing is over now and most people are just going to be asymptomatic and people with conditions should just stay home? Or once these race riots are over, are we going back to social distancing? So it's like that's confusing. Then you have to look at it from the cops' point of view too because if you st- you're seeing big hordes of people at these stores and like lots of these people are right outside storefronts, it's like, how do you know that they're not breaking in? So I think there's definitely some overzealousness with the cops, but I think some of it's also like fear and confusion of just not knowing, like, well, are these people about to break into that store and should we try to stop that? Or is it just like, it's probably a mix. Or is it like the, oh, I don't like what they stand for because I think that all police are good and they're coming after me because I put my life on the line. So you know what? I'm going to start hitting these people with tons and throwing tear gas. So I think this is really... It's really dividing the country, and it's hopefully we can resolve this, but I don't know. It's really hard because there's so many different sides to view it on, and those sides, like, completely right or completely wrong, except for, like, if you're defending the physical killing of George Floyd because that was completely wrong. Yeah, I I, uh, I also I think it should be said that this can't be easy on, easy on police officers either. Like... Yes, these people are throwing tear gas and like throwing their car or driving their cars through crowds, but just put yourself in the situation that those cops are in. There's these hordes of people, and they're, you know, it's known that people are causing riots and destruction and all that. And, you know, even in some cases, assaulting people or officers. If you're in that situation where you're in that police car and there's a horde of people, your automatic instinct is to press the gas. Do you want to do that and harm all those people? Probably no, not. Yeah. But but that's just what your mind goes to because it's just an instinct that, like, you don't, you don't want to put yourself in danger. Yeah, it's fight or flight. And if you're someone like a police officer where you have these resources and the training at your disposal, your first instinct is probably going to be to fight because that's what you're honestly better prepared to do. But I think it's tough because, sadly, some of these protests getting violent or even the rioters taking advantage is really not only hurting the image what the peaceful protesters stand for, it's also hurting the peaceful protesters' safety because it's allowing the cops to be more scared and make, like, I don't want to say, like, irrational, but more nervous, like, sporadic decisions that can endanger the safety of the peaceful protesters. And I this shouldn't be a political issue, but... Trump and Biden have not been helping this whole thing at all. So um, let me pull up the tweets. But, Trump- but I, I highly disagree with Trump's whole thing of like, oh, these police officers or these, these cities or these states aren't handling these rights well. I'm sending the National Guard to your state. Well, no, I, like, I, I don't think he should be saying that 
I so I'm kind of in the middle on this because I think he should be saying the National Guard to help the states make sure that there's a minimal amounts of the rioting and looting and to actually help protect peaceful protesters. But I don't think that he should be doing it like, oh, this state's a democratic state. They failed. So now I'm missing the National Guard. It should be more like, well, this place seems like, like Minneapolis specifically, it's like, you guys are having a lot of riots and skiing out of hand. I'm going to send the National Guard to help you keep it under control. So I think that's the big issue. It's his biggest issue is like again it's always tone and what he says like what he does is like i've always said what he does is like mediocre what he says is always so stupid because like the physical idea in my opinion of sending the national guard to kind of help reinforce the police when they're trying to like make sure that not a lot of places get burnt down and that the protests stay safe i think that's great but the tone of like when the wooting starts the shooting starts i just think that's that's a big issue to it yeah, and you know it, it's within the past twenty four hours. This whole thing has become so much more real to me because there has been incidents happening like within my neighborhood, like down the street from me. I, I I'm not going to say where I live, but I live very close to Irving Park Road, which is a very like big street. And on Irving Park and Pulaski, the Walgreens that's very close to my home it was uh broken into so i was like wow that's extremely close to my house so it's becoming really real to me like this is happening everywhere it can happen anywhere and i think the thing that pisses me off the most is i don't think this will actually happen because i think it's a lot of i think you've honestly this has exposed a lot of like teen tendencies like there's some people are just reposting like the bakwai smire stuff which is cool but there's some people that are legitimately reposting, like, burn the north side to the ash. And there's some people that are trying to organize a burning of, like, a bunch of different neighborhoods, including the one that I live in and the one that you live in. Because these are, like, honestly, my neighborhood is actually pretty mixed. And your neighborhood, I'm pretty sure, is primarily mi- primarily minority. I don't know. I'm not sure on that. Um, no, I think mine is pretty mixed, too, because I, th- I think... Yeah, I think it's pretty mixed. Yeah. I we are we're mostly I think white and Hispanic. Yeah. On my block it's almost all white, but there's several apartment buildings around us that are all pretty much Arab and Hispanic. So we're we're like I'd say we're probably like maybe like plurality white, but not majority white. But basically there's these neighbor and there's some that are completely white too that people are talking about. But these primarily white or seen as white neighborhoods, people are talking about just going and torching all the houses. And it's like it's like that's just completely absurd yeah. because the, the people who live in those houses have nothing to do with these riots yeah. or, or the issue that you're protesting. Yeah, because I don't know There's how many times like yes, I am white, but I don't know how many times I have to say it. I am on your side. The George Floyd killing was nasty, but don't burn down my house. Because just because I don't think all police are evil doesn't mean I support the police that killed George Floyd. That police officer should go to jail for life. He's a horrible person. I think he. I think he was sentenced to jail. I don't. I don't know what his. He's in but, custody right um, now. He's awaiting trial. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right, but um, do you want to talk about something more fun now? Yes, please, because. This is a whole thing, and I doubt this is ending anytime soon. Yeah, um, I just hope that um, if you want to go to protests, that's good. Stay safe. Um, I don't know if social distancing is too much of a thing anymore. I honestly, at this point, it's kind of abso- obsolete. I 
my, I was kind of getting closer to this, but now especially like, yes, you're wearing masks, but lots of these people are packed body to body, even at the peaceful protests. So now for me, it kind of feels like if you have a condition and like, I guess I have asthma, so I should probably be a bit more cautious than the average person. But it's like, I feel like the people with conditions, even including myself, maybe should just take more precautions or stay home. And I feel like we might as well try to open like some places at 25% capacity because that can be no worse and sometimes even better than like these protests where thousands of people packed together. Yeah. All right. So, um, double or nothing happened. What do you think of the show? I thought it was amazing. Best. I thought overall it was really good. I mean, there was some, like, obviously it wasn't a perfect show, but for what it was, I think it was really good. I think. I think there were there were maybe a couple of missed opportunities. Yeah, I think um we'll probably agree on some of the issues because we have pretty similar tastes. But I think outside of a few issues, this was one of the closest, if not the closest, thing that we'll get to a perfect empty arena show. So, I had a little bit of a problem watching Double or Nothing because it was raining really bad here in Chicago when Double or Nothing was happening. Oh yeah, and it was horrible. At the at the end of the TNT title match, and or like it completely went out, so I missed the finish for that match, and I missed all of the Chris Statlander match. Okay, I will. Um, I can run you through those, and I pulled up. Um. I went on to the Observer site, and I pulled up just the results or some basic notes there. And I just want to give credit for which reporter it was in the Observer. This one was – oh, cool. It's Ethan Renner. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're on – if people want to follow along with the – it's just the normal match order. So let's find that on any site. We're just using F4 Dub. Um, so this is weird because – did you watch Dynamite this most recent week? Um, no, but I – do know what happens. Okay. So on, on Dynamite, basically, for anyone who doesn't know, Havoc and Sabian have become a really good team on Dark. So they beat SEU. So they are fighting Kenny and Hankman next week, but the best friends on the buy in the pre show beat Private Party, and they get to fight that group at. They get to fight the winners of that match at Fighter Fest, which will probably be Kenny and Hangman. And Fighter Fest is going to be sometime in the summer this year. They're not really sure. So it was basically a big spot fest, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Um. So we opened with the ladder match. Brian Cage was a mystery entrant. He's managed by Taz, and he basically murdered Darby Allen because Darby Allen of Taz have been feuding. So he's getting the main event shot at Fighter Fest for the world title against Mox now. But I assume that Darby will go into a feud with him after he loses, and I would hope that Darby would beat him. But um. I don't know, he's fine, but Taz is great talking for him. I would have hoped for a guy like Darby to win this match, or even Orange Cassidy, but I think they have plans that we'll get to later for Orange Cassidy in the future. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't really, I didn't really have Brian Cage on my mind, because I didn't realize he was a free agent at the time. Yeah, well, he was like, he was an impact, he was going to come, and then he got hurt, like, ran his way out. But, like, they wanted him in since the beginning, but he, he like, he was in Impact and he got hurt, I think it was. Maybe he was in Ring of Iron or something. But anyway, like, he, he was getting out of wherever he was. He was going to come right around the beginning of TV or something, but then he got hurt. So, like, I remember hearing that he had gotten hurt, but I it didn't really appear in my mind. I was thinking that it was going to be, like, Drew Gulak and maybe he was jumping ship or yeah. even, like... But no, Drew Gulak ended up resigning. Yeah. 
I was even thinking that like somehow maybe they smuggled Pac into the country and it was gonna be Pac because he cut a promo, and like Phoenix would like Phoenix and Pac would team up and Pac would win, but it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I I I thought Brian Cage, Brian Cage isn't one of those guys where like oh he's big, and that's his whole thing. He's actually not horrible. He can genuinely work, which is why I kind of like Brian Cage, but I don't think giving him, like, a main event match with John Moxley for the world title is something that should be happening. I yeah. agree that I think somebody else should have won that match. Well, they can always change the main event and not make that the main event, but you have to keep in mind, like, Fighter Fest is usually a free pay-per-view, so it's not, like, that big of a deal. It's just more thing for, to give him exposure. And I also think it's huge because they have been doing, like, build up a big monster, Moxley beats him, and I think that's important because I assume MJF will be the one to finally beat Moxley, or maybe, like, Kenny will. So, yeah. it'll make Moxley look great over time as he gets built up, and he'll probably hold for, like, Tilder's fans again, at least. And yeah. then it'll make whoever beats Moxley, or even if it's someone like Kingman or Darby, will be a big star. And I assume they're building him up huge so someone like Darby can beat him in the next couple months. So I think Brian Cage is, like, not a good hand, but I think he's going to be built up really strong and then kind of used as a stepping stone for people. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say, I love this. So there's always a stupid thing of, like, these no-DQ matches. Heels cheat at the end, but they don't cheat from the beginning. At the start of this match, Kip Sabian's in it, and he comes out, and Jimmy Havoc just comes out with him, and they just work like two on two with the because both the SU guys were the first guys in. So I just think it's yeah. brilliant that finally the heels just like because it's not cheating; they just work together the whole way through. Yeah. All also, right. also I really like how they had. A, no, it wasn't Christopher Daniels. Who's the other one? It's Scorpio Sky, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian. His name, Frankie Kazarian. So, I like how they had, like, that little spot where it was Kazarian and Sky on the ladder or in the ring, and they had, like, their little bra or whatever. I like that they're able to do that, and it's not like, whoa, there's tag team tension, and, like, their tag team breaks up. Because I feel like in a lot of other cases where I've seen something like that, that leads to an eventual downfall of the tag team. No. Yeah, it's good because, like, AEW's treated, particularly because it's Tony Khan, but it's treated as a sport. So it's like, they're athletes. They're like, we're not going to have a blood feud. I'm not going to get pissed if you get the better of me. It's like, we're both athletes. We both want to win. And, like, they're very chivalrous about it. It wasn't, like, kind of like that William fist bump. Then it's like, they start off weight, and then, like, someone does a dirty kick, and someone gets really pissed, and they start, like, fighting for real. It's like, they were just doing all, like, chain wrestling. It was really good. Yeah. Overall, that tag team match, or that liner match was pretty decent. I liked it. Yeah. All right, I don't know if you'll agree with me. This next match was my favorite match on the show. Absolutely. What? Well, it was... My, all right, pause. It was my favorite match. The stadium stampede was the best thing. Okay. That makes sense. I, I see why some people liked Moxley and Brie Lee better, but all right. These guys have been wrestling for a combined nine years, Jim Ross said. They are 22 and 24, I want to say. And they had... Like, the most old-school match, except, like, the high spots, instead of being, like, suplexes or choke slams, were poison ranas onto your head on the apron. I mean, MJF posted his arm. This match was amazing. 
first off, MJF must stay undefeated because he must be the one to beat Moxley like two years from now. But I am a little bit heartbroken that Jungle Boy keeps losing and he's like Jungle Jobber now. But um, we'll talk about that later when we talk about Dynamite. But I I think there might be some bright things in his future. But um, that's not just amazing. So well worked. They've both grown so much. I mean... MJF is going down as one of the greatest of all time. I think Jungle Boy, like right now, Hangman Page is on the cups of like if AEW really hits that next level, Hangman's going to be like the guy behind it, and it's going to be like not like the new Steve Austin or Rock because wrestling will probably never get that big again. But he'll be the yeah. new like he'll be the new, like the new guy who puts people like people in seats, draws like millions of pay per view buys. I think Jungle Boy yeah. is kind of on the cups of being like the next generation of that. I agree. Um, so but yeah, I, I I'll have to agree with you on the fact that I think that was some of the best work on the show. I think they just like like you said, like it was just old school, old school wrestling. It felt so genuine. There wasn't any like low spots where you're like catching your breath. It was all just like nonstop, and I love matches like that. Oh yeah, it's brilliant because my like. I don't necessarily like like old school wrestling because the moves sometimes just feel a little bit bland, but the formula and style of an old school wrestling match, and if you just change your high spots around to be some of the more modern moves, that's like some of the best wrestling in my opinion you can do. So I just yeah. thought it was um I thought it was brilliant, but the big story was John Boy's arm was hurt and eventually he kept or no, it's his lower back, so MJF can go for his Fujiwara, which he's been getting over. But eventually, there was a series of cradles, and MJF got a Euro clutch to get the pin. So that was pretty cool. Um, Mike Tyson came out. So the TNT title is going to get gold plating all over it. Right now, it's just red and silver. And I actually think. Yeah, it looks- when, when they came out with that title, I was under the impression that that was the final product. And I was like, this is a horrible looking title. All right. I actually don't just- mind it. Because, all right. My take on it is, look, the 24-7 title is the worst title of all time because it's a green strap, and it's just, like, one plate with a little bit of etching. If you look at it closely, there is a good amount of, like, different etching and carving print on it. So I think it still has a pretty good look to it. I think gold playing will add to it, but the world title is, like, perfect because, like, that is a world title. But I think this one's fine because, like it or not, it is kind of a secondary title, and that's the way it's going to be. But um, Cody won. Um, Arn Anderson was basically a massive heel in this match. He was cheating behind the ref's back, and then Jake the Snake got kicked out for no reason. But Mike Tyson was fun in the crowd, and Cody won. I guess. I feel like I feel like they could have done a lot more with Mike Tyson. I'm surprised they didn't actually. Well, you know about you know what happened on Dynamite with him, right? Um, I know of it, but I'm not completely sure. It was a train wreck because Tyson basically didn't tell people, but he brought a bunch of UFC fighters, and he brought this one guy called Gooch. <laughs> he wasn't even a UFC fighter, and he was trying to, like, this Gooch guy was trying to steal the show the whole time, but Jericho just made amazing. But basically, the inner circle got into a big brawl with Tyson and his crew, so it looks like they're going to do Jericho-Tyson. You know what? I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. I I mean, he'll it'll never happen, but I'd be really happy with it if Jericho won. Like with a Jesus effect. Yeah. Or that'd be the one time to do like a screw job finish. I feel like if there ever was one. Yeah. Because I feel like you you really want to keep Jericho, like pre like 
I would make sure his like AW career losses are like under ten. Like by the time like Guevara eventually turns on him, because you really yeah. want like of course he's a big deal because his name, but you especially with him don't want to be a guy that gets by on his name. So I think it'll be really important like for when he does get turned on. All right, Chris Sandler beat Penelope Ford. This was mediocre. It would have been better if it was if it was um. I don't know. Maybe with Ben Griffiths, Britt, I know you like Chris Statlander. I'm just not a fan of Chris Statlander. I don't think she's that good of a worker, and I don't think her gimmick's it. Um, I think her gimmick sucks. And the biggest issue of this is they're both just really green. So where if you get someone that can kind of help them along, like they do generally both shine a good amount, but they're just both way too green, I thought, to have a good match. There was, there was only... One thing that we were, I was able to see for the Christian Lander Penelope Ford match, and I actually wasn't looking at the TV screen because I didn't know that the TV was back on. But like, I all I heard was Chris Statlander hit Penelope Ford with, Ford with something, and like everyone just went ooh, like it. It sounded like it was something like a mean elbow or something. I gotta go back and watch it, but like. Like, it was something really stiff, and I'm so disappointed that I missed it. I honestly don't even remember anything from that match. All right, do we even have to talk about Dustin Rhodes and Sean Spears? I, I mean, it was okay. I love both of these guys. I just don't understand why they can't have a normal match. And, all right, I love Dustin. He is a guy who's old enough and legend enough that he can get by on his name and have a lot of voice losses. On the, on the AW rankings... He and QT Marshall, the Natural Nightmares, have gotten so many wins on Dark that they are ranked number two in the tag team division. <laughs> what? They better just be there so they can job to the Revival to make the Revival seem like big deals in the ratings. <laughs> because the Q- right, the I love QT Marshall. QT Marshall has done great work backstage for AEW, but he is not ranked number two in tag team division. And again, I think Dustin should have matches on like every show if his body can hold up with it. He's amazing, but he doesn't need to have so many wins that he's ranked number two in the tag division. He's here to have amazing matches and put people over. Ugh. But anyway, oh, I kind of spoiled that. Um, FTR is in now. Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood. They're going to fight the Bucks, but they're going to start off his faces. It's going to be amazing. I'm so happy. Yeah. I mean, we saw it coming ever since they were released, but... Oh, yeah. It's been, like, four, six years. Because FTR used to have a different meaning back when Koei came up on BCE. All right. Yeah. Um, so, Shida won the title from Nyla Rose. I thought this was pretty good as far as Nyla Rose matches go. I still preferred yeah. the one with Riho where Nyla won the title. Just because I think Rio's a little bit better than Cheetah. But um I don't know, what do you think of I it? feel like I feel like Nyla Rose didn't really have to do a lot in this match because Sheeta was doing most of the work. Yeah. No, it's good because Nyla's strengths are like the power moves and stuff, and then selling off of the big spots where Sheeta can sell a lot of the smaller things and kind of take yeah. all those bumps for Nyla. So I think a good Nyla Rose match is what something we could really learn from with a lot of their greener women is playing to their strengths. And one thing I have to say is, like, I really respect Nyla because, one, she plays her strengths, and two, she never hurts anyone, even though her strengths are power moves. Where do you hear about Nia Jax and Kyrie Sane on the Raw taping? Uh, oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> so Nia Jax shucks Kyrie Sane 
into the stairs with like basically like she was going for like a buckle bomb and Kyrie Sane was maybe concussed and she hits head first and like she was knocked out or bleeding or something like the corner of the stairs. They might air it on Raw tonight. I hope they do because it'd be amazing. But all right, that's like the sixth or seventh person that Nia Jax is injured. She should not have a job. She's not safe work. Like, why would you get in the ring with Nia Jax? Like, she is probably right now the most unsafe person in the women's division in WWE, period. I think she's the most unsafe, like, name wrestler, like, around right now. That's true. I mean... Like, she's she's kind of like the Ryback of women. Yeah. Like, she's a female Ryback, because Ryback would, like, injure everyone. And that's kind of what Nia's yeah. doing now. It's not even like her matches are good, too. Like, it'd be one thing if the people are like, all right, I will take the risk because we're about to have, like, a four-and-a-half-star match. It's like her matches all suck, and she injures everyone <laughs> she wrestles. It's like, I feel like the two of us could get in the ring with no wrestling training, call everything on the spot. You could give me one of those glam slams right on my face on the gym mats, and it would be a better, safer match than wrestling Nia Jax. <laughs> like, I could, pro- I could probably step into the ring with, like, a ferret and probably put on a better show yeah. than Nia Jax, because... Her whole gimmick is me big, me strong, me heavy, me. Oh, all right. I don't. People. I do not want to buy shame anyone. She came back like twice the size of where, what she was before she got injured. I I noticed that too. Like she picked up a little bit. It's like I don't mean to buy shame anyone. Being injured is tough. You can't work out. But it now it's like now like before it's just like she's big, okay. But now it seems like legitimate worry about her personal health. But, um, yeah. I, I also, the one thing I can say in her defense, though, I don't like, I, I, I can't, I don't remember if they still do this or not, but I remember, like, back in 2018 when she was having, when she had her women's title run, I remember that whenever they would announce her to the ring, they would announce her weight, but they don't do that with any other woman. I thought that was a little, like, weird. I think they were just trying to make it seem like, oh, this is Nijak, she's big and heavy. Be scared. Wait, I thought they announced everyone's weight. You're no, talking... for women, they only announce where they're from and their name. Oh, yeah, because wasn't she, have... like, didn't he announce her as, like, 300 or something, and it was, like, completely insane? No, I I thought it was, like, 270-something. 270? But still, it's pretty big. Jesus. She's... That's, like, 120 on me. I'm, like, 250 last time I checked. Wait, how tall is she? I'm gonna look at that up. Cause I, can we calculate this BMI? I feel really bad doing this, but it is important. I looked up Nia Jax, and the second oh she's six foot. Was... Okay, she is six foot, so that's not too. So I, I guess she does distribute her weight pretty well. So she probably isn't too unhealthy. Let me just look up BMI calculator. Yeah, so she's six foot and two seventy two. Is that her recent weight? Is there like a new weight since she came back from injury? Um, I don't know how recent this is. Look up Nia Jax weight 2020, maybe. Oh my god. Wait. With 272, the BMI is 36.9. Ooh, that's not good. Um, 
BMI for obesity, it's BMI of 30 or greater. Okay, yeah. So I almost hope that Vince will give her some time off so she can try Slim Al, because I would be worried about her personal health at this point. But anyway, I'd rather take like the bumps that Sammy Guevara takes every week than get Ferentis oh. by Nia Jax. So this source says that Nia's 6'1", and she's 123 kilograms, which is 100 or 271 pounds. Okay. So it's about it's around the same thing. Okay. So um, Mox beat Brody. We each retained the title. I really liked how it was a chokeout finish and kind of like Brody. We went to sleep, didn't tap out because that leaves the door open for another one, which I think they need because Brody Lee debuted in the empty arena area era. He can kind of have like two title matches in that era. He's definitely a good guy because it doesn't feel like we're blowing an MJF feud with someone who we know for a fact had a lot of heat, but he's also someone who definitely seems very legitimate as a challenger. So I could see the way they did to finish him going again and not really losing any strength. It's just he kind of stays at the same level and Moxley's just elevated even higher. Yeah. I don't know. Was this, I don't know. Was this your favorite think, normal match? I think match? Brody Lee still needs... Just a little bit of more time to be built up. Oh, yeah. He could have... The one thing that was sad is, like, he did the great Dark Order spoofs, like, making fun of Vince. I feel like yeah. he could have done one or two of those in the build-up to the match, because, like, he was doing them. They stopped for, like, a week or two. He attacked Moxley, and then, like, he cut a few promos, but, like, none of the little spoofs. And I thought the Vince spoofs really gave him a lot of character. And it was funny to see, like, some of Vince's little quirks. So I feel like if he had just done a few more of those, we'll flush him out a bit more. All right. Time for possibly the greatest thing of all time. Better than I both of the cinematics of WrestleMania. Think, I honestly think this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to professional wrestling. I, I, I'm going to say this is the third greatest thing to ever happen to professional wrestling. I'd say the best thing ever is the Kenny Omega beating Kazuchika Okada in the seven-star Belzer match at the Tokyo Dome for the IUGP title. I'd say the second best ever thing in wrestling is Kenny and Hangman beating the Young Bucks to retain the tag titles at Revolution because I was there live, and it was, like, the crowd was amazing, and I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I actually, when they super kicked Kenny that one time, he kicked that one, I actually thought that was it. And then the second time, I knew it was it, and, like, he still kicked out, and Hangman came in. I was just screaming my head. So those are my two fair things. This, in my opinion, is the third greatest thing ever in wrestling. And <sighs> words cannot describe it. I mean, if someone told me I had 33 minutes left on this earth, I might just watch the Stadium Stampede match. Honestly, I might. Do you I know what we should too. do? Once we, like, you can come, like, over here again, we should watch the Stadium Stampede match for, like, 24 hours straight and just put it on YouTube. Now that's sports entertainment. <laughs> All right. This was kind of sports entertainment because they filmed it over eight hours, apparently. They filmed it from like, because it was all done at night. So they must have been up to like four in the morning. But it was so good. The elite... It worked because I was, I was very sports entertained. Yeah. The elite defeated the inner circle. So good. This also leaves a door open for the inner circle to be pissed and beat them in a second match. And now when there's fans again, they can do blood and guts and the the we can either win or the we can break up or the inner circle can break up. Someone's probably breaking up at least temporarily if it's inner circle for forever. 
but it's the Wii temporarily, like when they finally do Blood and Guts, but the Elite win the first one, which is actually okay, because now the Inner Circle kind of have to chase, even as the heals, and that plays better to their goofy characters, but of course they're pulling them aside for a bit, because I think they're in a rebuild, PMP and Guevara, Hager's already kind of set, and then Jericho's going to work with Tyson, but um... I I think it would make the most sense if they have the Elite breakup, because they already have that tension. Yeah. So I think you put that into play to break them up at least a yeah. little bit. And also because when Guevara turns on Jericho, the Inner Circle's done for forever. Like, if if Hangman or Kenny were to turn on each other, the Elite can always reunite eventually. Where it's kind of like, once yeah. Guevara turns on Jericho, like, he's a heel for life. Yeah. Alright, so, um... <laughs> Do you just want to go by it segment by segment? Yes. Okay. Alright, so they all... We get, like, a big pan over... <laughs> And you see the marching band and the cheerleaders with, like, AEW masks. And the girls are chanting, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. And there's a bunch of, they piped in the wrestler. Like, they basically had the wrestlers watch it live, I assume. Like, to the pay-per-view, because this was taped the day before. And then they recorded the crowd noise and put it in. But pans over, we hear the cheering. And they have, like, the, the pyro and all the smoke and, like, the banners for a wheat and air circle. And everyone comes out except for Hangman. And the Bucks are like, Kenny, where's Hangman? And Kenny's like, it's okay, it's okay. And they all charge at each other. And Hangman comes in on a horse. And he chases Sammy Guevara, who outruns the horse inside to the stadium. And then everyone's fighting in the ring. It's just, it's all good work. It's like a five-minute match, but it's great. And then Guevara gets back in the field. He's like, I escaped, I escaped. He goes immediately to the top rope. There's a shooting star press. And Hardy rolled out of the right way. Guevara goes flat. And then Guevara gets hit for a side effect. It's Guevara is just the greatest. And one day he'll be a monster heel. But right now he's like the goofy jobber heel. And I just love it. Yeah. But um, so Paige was riding his horse for Sam Tells looking for, looking for Guevara. And then he sees the Upper East Lounge. And then he he gets off the horse. Tells the horse to stay there. The horse stays there, and Hangman goes drinking. Then Hager sees the horse, goes up to the bar, and Hangman's like, are you here to drink or to fight? And then Hager's like, drink, and he pours him a drink and passes it to him. And Hangman says, honestly, what's the difference? And they get into a big brawl, and Hager's just murdering Hangman eventually. But then Kenny Omega comes in, and they break, like, five bottles of the bubbly over Hager's head. And he's just... I'm kind of doing this out of order, sorry. But just Hager is dead because they've broken all these balls of bubbly over him. And then Kenny becomes the ropes, basically, and Hangman does a buckshot over him. So this was probably my favorite segment of the match. Mine too. My my favorite part was when I think it was Hangman who got like, they put him on top of the bar and they just like slid him across like a western. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah. It wasn't um, (laughs) on... It wasn't my favorite individual thing. I had two things I like better, but this was my, my favorite segment. And then yeah. Hardy worked both Santana and Ortiz, and they were drowning him, and he kept switching Matt Hardy's because he could, like, hold his breath. So that was pretty funny. And he rang the bell, and Ortiz was, like, shaking, and he put him in a wheelchair, and he's like, this will help your condition. And it was great. And he walked Santana in the icebox. So it's, the way it worked is the Elite kind of worked for people who haven't seen it because it's on pay-per-view. The elite kind of worked through all the inner circle guys, like one by one or two on one. And 
So we would like, well, blah, 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 blah. So then we go through and the Bucks and Jericho are brawling. And the mascot, <laughs> this is the best thing in wrestling peaked. Um, look it up. It's become a GIF, GIF probably or whatever. Um, people were talking about like every time a sports team beats the Jaguars, but the Jaguar mascot has like this big belly part to him and he's shaking it at Jericho. And Jericho runs at the mascot and hits the giant mascot head with the biggest Judas effect of all time. And the mascot just collapses and dies. And I I think it was the greatest thing in wrestling history. It might have been. It, it might have been. It was incredible. It, this whole map really was just incredible. It, it was just beautiful. Like, the way it was done... It, it was still perfect. And then I think I think my favorite thing was when uh I for, I think it was a Judas effect that he gave to Nick Jackson. It might, it, I can't remember which buck it was. And then he went for a pin Aubrey Edwards uh counted to 2 cuz then there was a kick out and Jericho was making a scene. Yeah, he, he was like he was like, like bad call, play. and they they pulled it under review. It was so good, but um, <laughs> it wasn't a juice effect because no one kicks out the juice effect. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just can't remember what it was, but um, yeah, I don't remember. But all I remember was there was a pin, there was a kick out, yeah. and he called for to review. But eventually, Nick climbs up into the stands and he runs down like entire section of seats and does a big splash on Jericho for a table. So Jericho is kind of like taken out now. Meanwhile, Matt is doing rolling Northern Light suplexes with Guevara across the entire field. I don't think he actually did the entire field, but he did like probably at least 10 or 12 of them for what they shot. And he gets to the other end. <laughs> and Guevara posted his arms, so Guevara isn't dead. But <laughs> he makes the move and he spikes like from like the initial vision I thought Guevara said. He spikes Guevara head first like a football and Guevara flips over head first and dies. I watched it back a couple times. He kind of posted his arm like right in the back of his head so he was completely fine. But it was vicious. And Guevara's like all sweaty and he's just dead. And then Matt is celebrating and Rick Knox blows the whistle and throws a flag and he's like excessive celebration. And then Matt gives Rick Knox a super kick. It was just, it was excellent. So eventually Guevara wakes up and he's like, I won, I won, there's no one left. And then a sprinkler hits him right in the face. And then he turns around because there's a revving of a golf cart noise. And Matt Hardy's behind the wheel and Kenny's in the thing. And Kenny's like, he's doing his creepy BTE voice. He's like, time for round two, Sammy. And they run at him. And Guevara outruns the golf cart this time. But Kenny gives a one-wing angel off like 20 feet into the world's biggest crash pad. This was the moment that pro wrestling peaked. Yeah. It'll never get better. Nothing will ever be this good. Like, I think... In my life, I have never been more invested into professional wrestling. I think it was, like, the greatest record thing in human history. And, like, if there's ever, like, all right, the world is ending, but we can shoot out, like, a few capsules into the ISS. So if any, like, aliens ever resurface or something, like, we can show them parts of our culture, the stadium stampede needs to be one of those things. Like, hey, this is what thousands, millions of people like to watch. Here you go. I'm 
those the two things I mentioned before are like very wrestling matches, but this is just ugh, excellent, excellent. It was it was the the best thing on the show of the year of the decade. It was yeah of all time. And they call it like the first ever, so they can do them again. And honestly, they might as well do them, still pre-tape them, and just sometimes air those live. Because I will still pay a ticket to watch that on the Megatron, honestly. Like, if I'm going to get to see the rest of the show live and see some of my favorite guys do one of those. Because, like, you can, they've had Janela and Private Party tag a lot. So what you can do is you can assemble Steam Stampede team of, like, Janela, Private Party, and the best friends. Then pick five heels for him. You could do, like, Havoc, Savian. So it's, the possibilities are... Endless. They, they can they can have it just be an annual double or nothing thing. Yeah. So one of our AEW note I wanted to talk about is, and I was kind of so Jungle Boy won a battle royal for a TNT title shot because Cody's gonna defend the TNT title every week, and the thing for the first shot was wing a battle royal. So Jungle Boy won that, and so I kind of I'm just kind of sad because Jungle Boy's gonna lose again. And he's gonna be like four and fifteen. And he's like Jungle Jobber. But then my dad was like, wait, the title is established because Cody was the first champion. So the title's already uh-huh. established as a big deal. So what if Jungle Boy got an upset win on Cody and they, like, put the rocket under Jungle Boy? I don't think they're going to do it, but I kind of feel like Jungle Boy's champion would be really awesome. Because then you kind of have, like, this kind of shade of gray Moxley who's a killer. Then you have this guy who's, like, he can definitely go, but he's kind of is, like, pulling it out against bigger, badder guys every time. And, like, you have this jungle boy who everyone just gets really invested in because, like, they're fighting behind him, like, defending the TNT title every week. Yeah. So, I hope he wins. He probably won't. But, um, and it looks like Orange Cassidy is going to do a match with Jericho, which I know the stadium stampede was the peak of wrestling, but Orange Cassidy and Jericho might be the new peak of wrestling. It'll be just, and then, like, the whole thing will be probably the greatest gimmick match of all time. Oh, yeah. It, uh, <sighs> All right. Um, talk- MJF in there, even better. Yeah. Talking about that show cheered me up. Um, but everyone, if you are going to protest, stay safe. Don't loot stores. It doesn't help the cause. Looting stores makes you look like idiots, and you're taking advantage of communities. I wanna, I wanna mention something about SmackDown. I know you don't watch SmackDown anymore. I read the results, so I probably know it. Is but, it the Jeff Hardy thing? Yeah. This whole death party angle is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Alright, so for people who don't know, they open the show and Elias' corpse is being loaded onto a stretcher. And there was a car who they tried to make it look dragged up, but all they did was open the hood and open a door on it. And... <laughs> And, and lean the and car Renee Young is there, which, like, I don't understand why she's not able to be in, like, four to with Mox right now. And she's like, we have a breaking development with her. And the cops are there, and they find a bottle of whiskey in the car. <laughs> and then they find Jeff Hardy's corpse strewn around, and he's, like, yelling and shouting, and you're like, you smell like liquor. So story <laughs> is Jeff Hardy drunk drove again. So I... I think I figured out, though. So, either maybe Sheamus attacked him because Sheamus got, like, a spot back in the tournament. So, maybe Sheamus framed him. But that makes Sheamus, like, a felon because he hit Elias with a car on purpose. 
So she and Miss might be going to jail. But what I think it is is if you've been following Drake Maverick in NXT, and that was a stupid finish, but um, he basically the whole gimmick is he's trying to get his job back by winning a title. I think they actually decided to hire him back, but they have to cut costs somehow else. So their idea was, well, what if drunk Jeff Hardy just gets drunk and drives again, and then we can fire him for real? I mean, I don't think they would do that because he's kind of just come back. Yeah, no, I thought he'd be like world champion and stop him from going to AEW, but who knows? I, I don't mean, want him in AEW though. I honestly think that Jeff Hardy is a mediocre worker who has no personality and is unreliable. He he like lost all momentum a couple of years ago because he's just a like his body is like not at all what it used to be because his whole career he's been jumping off a stuff landing on like just these crazy spots and his body has basically told him like this stuff cannot happen anymore yeah he's kind of like a failure as a human being too because like he was a pillhead, and then after like the time where they had to call the main event of that impact pay-per-view on the spot like eric with eric bischoff and sting where like yeah. he's got me in two minutes it's like that pissed off a lot of people, so he kind of got clean for that. And he had he has, like, daughters now. And, like, Matt Hardy got clean because of his kids. But now Jeff Hardy can't even stay clean because of his kids. So he's just running around, like, drunk driving all the time. I don't know. He's a mess. But um, even talking about that, it left me on a happy note with all the riots going on. But um, anything else to talk about this week? Um. Well, Ethan, I hope this will intrigue you to watch SmackDown. But Matt Riddle will, in what a couple of weeks is going to be heading to SmackDown. Oh yeah, and Dijakovic. They're, actually, they're Di- actually hyping him up really well. Dijakovic is going to Raw, too. Yeah. I don't know. It um, NXT is the only reason I'm still a wrestling fan before AEW happened because I didn't have the time to like watch stuff on New Japan World and like watch it on the phone. But um, this this past NXT was pretty decent. But I think the thing that made it so much better was the main event with uh, Thatcher and Riddle. Yeah, I heard that was pretty good. I just, I don't know. Um, I struggle with it. I watch parts. Like, the Dare of the Garganos is really pretty funny. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, but I I don't think Vince is going to understand why Matt Riddle, he'll be like, why does he kick off his flip-flops, pal? I don't get it. Like, Matt Riddle's going to have to wrestle, like, in shoes now and boots. It's just, uh. And eventually he'll just become Riddle. Or Matt. <laughs> he'll be Matt. The original... No, it's like, he'll be like, wait, he was a King of Bros on the Indies. He was the original bro in NXT. Alright, he'll be the super bro now. Matt, the super bro. I can just hear it now, pal. The crowd's gonna want it. The super bro, Matt. Matt. <laughs> Making his... <laughs> and he'll be like, wait, he smokes weed, pal? That's not Okay. All right. Um, oh, <laughs> I actually got to wrap it up now because I have a lesson in like ten minutes. But any closing words? Um, stay safe. If you're gonna protest, don't destroy people's homes or businesses or cars or people in general. Just wear eye protection, wear a face mask, and peacefully protest, please. Yeah. Um, what he said. All right. Thank you for listening to the Josh Newton Show.